Wondery Plus subscribers can listen to the CBS Evening News ad-free right now. Join Wondery Plus in the Wondery app or on Apple Podcasts. This spring, if you'd rather spend time enjoying your lawn instead of trying to keep it alive, there's good news. True Green is the easiest and most affordable way to get a beautiful lawn. All you have to do is water and mow, and they'll do the rest. Weed control, fertilization, aeration, and even some things you might not even think of. They'll do all of it, while you can do literally anything else. With True Green, you can have your lawn looking as good as a putting green. That's not hyperbole. True Green is the official lawn care treatment provider of the PGA Tour. True Green offers a satisfaction guarantee, and they have a verified best price promise, which guarantees you the lowest price with no compromise on quality. You do you. Let True Green do your lawn care. Visit TrueGreen.com to get the best lawn at the best price with the best people guaranteed. If I asked you how many subscriptions you have, would you be able to list all of them and how much you're paying? If you would have asked me this question before I started using Rocket Money, I would have said yes. But let me tell you, I would have been so wrong. I can't believe how many I had and all the money I was wasting. Rocket Money is a personal finance app that finds and cancels your unwanted subscriptions, monitors your spending, and helps lower your bills. Rocket Money has over 5 million users and has helped save its members an average of $720 a year with over 500 million in canceled subscriptions. Stop wasting money on things you don't use. Cancel your unwanted subscriptions by going to rocketmoney.com slash Wondery. That's rocketmoney.com slash Wondery. Rocketmoney.com slash Wondery. Tonight we're following the big news day here in the nation's capital. The new and disturbing details about former President Donald Trump's relentless pressure campaign to use the Department of Justice for his own political gain. And the news out of the Supreme Court expanding gun rights. The brazen attempt to manipulate the independent Justice Department and the pushback after a dramatic Oval Office showdown on January 3rd. I said, Mr. President, you could have hundreds and hundreds of resignations of the leadership of your entire Justice Department because of your actions. Okay. The new Trump docuseries, exclusive footage, and the first TV interview with the filmmaker who spent months with the Trump family. Do you get a sense that President Trump wanted violence to occur on January 6th? The most significant gun ruling in more than a decade. The Supreme Court's major decision allowing more people to carry a firearm. Tonight, New York officials calling it a blow to public safety. Jewel banned. What does the FDA's order mean for the vaping industry? Our eye on America, how the Chicago Police Department is handling staffing shortages. And the heroic rescue. We hear from the coach who saved an American swimmer. Plus, 50 years of Title IX, how the landmark law changed sports for women and the world. This is the CBS Evening News with Nora O'Donnell, reporting from the nation's capital. Good evening and thank you for joining us on this Thursday night. In the past few weeks, we have heard gripping new testimony from the January 6 hearings. But what we learned today was particularly egregious. Three former high-level Justice Department officials testified that the president of the United States repeatedly sought to pressure and manipulate the DOJ to, in the words of President Trump, just say the election was corrupt. And when those officials told the president over and over again that there was no evidence of fraud, Trump sought to replace the attorney general with an environmental attorney with no experience. 
We also learned of an Oval Office showdown on January 3rd. That was just three days before the insurrection. We've got more on that in just a minute. The other big headline from today's hearing, that six House Republicans asked for pardons for themselves from the White House. CBS's Nicole Killian starts us off from Capitol Hill with all those details. Good evening, Nicole. Hey, good evening to you, Nora. And this appears to be another case of the former president ignoring advice from his own administration as he tried to pressure senior Justice Department officials to overturn the 2020 election. Between December 23rd and January 3rd, the president either called me or met with me virtually every day. Testifying under oath, top former Department of Justice officials told the House Select Committee investigating the January 6th attack that former President Trump relentlessly pressured them to investigate false claims of election fraud. We had concluded, based on actual investigations, actual witness interviews, actual reviews of documents, that these allegations simply had no merit. Weaving previous interviews with live testimony, committee members painted a picture of a desperate president, president attempting to force former acting attorney general Jeffrey Rosen and his deputies to cast doubt on election integrity. You also noted that Mr. Rosen said to Mr. Trump, quote, DOJ can't and won't snap its fingers and change the outcome of the election. How, how did the president respond to that, sir? He responded very quickly and said, essentially, uh, that's not what I'm asking you to do. What I'm just asking you to do is just say it was corrupt and leave the rest to me and the Republican congressman. Instead, Jeffrey Clark, an environmental lawyer at DOJ with no experience in elections, wrote a draft letter that he intended to send to battleground states Trump lost, saying the department had identified significant concerns that may impact the outcome of the election. That was false. Three days before the January 6th attack on the Capitol, a tense hours-long Oval Office meeting took place where Trump threatened to replace Rosen with Clark. Toward the end of the meeting, um, the president, again, was getting very agitated, and uh, he said, people tell me I should just get rid of both of you. I should just remove you and um, make a change in the leadership, put Jeff Clark in, maybe something will finally get done. Also at that meeting, Stephen Angle and former acting Deputy Attorney General Richard Donahue. They helped knock down claims of voter fraud and told the former president they had hundreds of attorneys at DOJ who would resign immediately if he went through with his plan. Only then, Donahue said, Trump backed off. And I began to explain to him what he had to lose um, and what the country had to lose and what the department had to lose. And this was not in anyone's best interest. Jeffrey Clark did not testify today, but invoked the Fifth Amendment at a previous deposition. And yesterday, federal investigators raided his Northern Virginia home. Meantime, the committee named more Republican lawmakers who sought pardons after meeting with the former president to strategize ways to block the certification of the election. Nora? It's like there are new revelations every day. Nicole Killian, thank you. Let's turn now to our CBS News exclusive and a new twist in the committee's investigation in the form of 120 hours of never-before-seen footage of the Trump campaign and White House. The new revelation is making some members of former President Trump's inner circle nervous. What's being billed is an intimate behind-the-scenes look at the Trump family. Okay. My father. The newly revealed docu-series Unprecedented features interviews with the former president and his kids, both before and after the January 6th Capitol riot. 
Can we talk for a minute about January 6th? Yeah. Through the hearings we've heard from Trump's inner circle, including daughter Ivanka, she was asked about her reaction to then-Attorney General Bill Barr, saying there was not widespread voter fraud in 2020. It affected my perspective. Um, I respect Attorney General Barr. Um, so I accepted what he said, was saying. In this exclusively obtained clip from the footage, she struck a different tone. As the president has said, every single vote needs to be counted and needs to be heard. And he campaigned for the voiceless. And I think a lot of Americans feel very, very disenfranchised right now um, and really question the sanctity of our elections. And, uh, and that's not right. It's not acceptable. And um, he has to take on this fight. And he wants to make sure that, that their voice is, is heard um, and, and not muted and will continue to fight um, until every legal remedy is exhausted. And, and that's what he should do. Well, earlier we spoke with documentary filmmaker Alex Holder for his first interview since speaking behind closed doors for more than two hours with the House committee investigating the January 6th assault. No one in the Trump family ever gave me editorial direction whatsoever, and no one in the Trump family has seen a single frame or piece of footage. How did you find the president after you interviewed him after the January 6th assault? So I interviewed him twice after January 6th, and the first time he did come across as quite um, irate and quite depressed and frustrated. The second time, which was in Bedminster in New Jersey, he certainly came across more jovial and, uh, and, and content. Why were you up on Capitol Hill on January 6th? So we were covering the rallies that the president was having throughout that period after the election. And this particular event we knew was happening. I actually said the night before that, I was sort of half joking, and I said, you know the president's going to tell everyone to march on the Capitol. This was the night before January 6th. And we sort of prepared for that potentially happening. How did you know that the president would call on people to march on the Capitol? The volume of rhetoric and sort of the belligerence that was coming out post the election was so significant that in my mind there was sort of, it, it eventually had to end with something violent. Even if you look at the way the campaign was going on before, the idea of the election being something that was going to be irregular was already coming up during that time as well. So to me, January 6th doesn't happen by itself. It was the culmination Absolutely. of what you had been hearing on the campaign trail or even after the election. Absolutely. It, 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 to me, it wasn't surprising. And it's obviously awful to, to sort of say this, but in some ways it's like, I thought it would be even worse. Why did you think it would be worse? What did you hear? What did you record? If, you, if you're telling 75 million people that their election doesn't count and they believe you, you're their president, and they voted for you, and you're saying that their elections didn't count, then what else is going to happen? Are there revelations from your interviews with Donald Trump that will shock people? I believe so, yes. Do you get a sense that President Trump wanted violence to occur on January 6th? I think the president saw it as an inevitability, in that the people that were there were doing what he thought was to be correct, which was that they were fighting for their election and for their votes to be counted.
And Alex Holder told us the reason the Trump family agreed to the documentary was because they believed that Trump was going to win the election. But now that he's lost, Holder thinks Donald Trump will not run again in 2024. Let's go now to the other big story today, the Supreme Court and the most significant case regarding the Second Amendment in more than a decade. As the nation deals with a recent wave of mass shootings, the Supreme Court expanded gun rights, nullifying a New York law that required applicants to show a special need for a concealed carry permit. The ruling could jeopardize similar laws in five other states. We get more from CBS's Jan Crawford. Striking down some of the nation's strictest gun laws, the court emphasized the Second Amendment is not a second-class right. Writing for the 6-3 majority, Justice Clarence Thomas said concealed carry laws in New York and at least five other states prevent law-abiding citizens with ordinary self-defense needs from exercising their right to keep and bear arms. New York officials characterized the ruling as a blow to public safety. This decision has made every single one of us less safe from gun violence. My response to that is that's the same claptrap that they have been using for 20 years. But gun rights advocates like Tom King, who challenged the law, said it did nothing to solve the real problems of gun violence or stop mass shootings like the one in Buffalo. It's not the gun owner, it's not the carry pistol permit holders. It's the criminals that are causing the, causing the violence and the gun problem in New York State. The ruling follows the court's 2008 landmark decision that individuals have a right to have a gun for self-defense in their homes. 43 states allow legal gun owners to carry concealed weapons in public. Half don't even require a permit. But New York, as well as five other states, went beyond standard permitting requirements and made gun owners prove they had a special need to protect themselves. In dissent, Justice Stephen Breyer, writing for the court's liberals, said the court's ruling severely burdens state efforts to pass laws that limit in various ways who may purchase, carry, or use firearms of different kinds. But several conservative justices stress there are limits to the Second Amendment, some saying that the ruling does not invalidate other state gun licensing requirements and suggesting that states can still restrict who can lawfully possess a gun and nor what kind of gun they can own. And Jen, we are still waiting for that big decision from the court about abortion rights that could overturn Roe versus Wade. That's right. It could come any day, Nora. Jan Crawford, thank you. All right, tonight, the FDA made it official, announcing a ban on Juul e-cigarettes and nicotine pods. The action is a devastating blow to a company that once dominated the e-cigarette market, but is blamed for sparking a surge in teen vaping in the U.S. The Food and Drug Administration said the company was unable to supply the data needed to determine relevant health risks of its products. Juul said it will appeal. Now to the growing shortage of police on patrol across the country. A recent survey from the National Police Foundation found 86% of departments reported staffing shortages with applications down and officers leaving the force in record numbers. In tonight's Eye on America, CBS's Charlie DeMar traveled with the Chicago Police Department looking for a few proud new recruits. It's graduation day for 46 brand new Chicago police officers. It's a start, but still 1,300 cops short of what the department says it needs. What is the reality for the Chicago Police Department uh, in terms of the officer shortage? The reality is that we need to fill the gaps quickly. 
so the city is looking here to fill the void. It's been a great job. At Camp Pendleton near San Diego, about 9,000 Marines become civilians every year. So Deputy Chief Magdalia Bulness brought six officers, all former Marines, to recruit. Good afternoon, Marines. These are every mother's son and daughter that put on the uniform of our country. These aren't bad people. These are great people. These are American heroes. It's not always an easy sell. What are some of the biggest challenges for you in recruiting? Just the negativity that goes around it. Since the national reckoning following George Floyd's death in 2020, departments across the country are struggling to keep cops. According to a recent survey of 172 police departments, resignations are up by more than 40% since 2019, and retirements were up almost 25% during the same period. Some worry that skills meant for battlefields won't be suitable for city streets. The first thing is, you know, are we making the law enforcement process too militant? And no, we're not. They're individuals just like us, just like you. The process will weed out those that have issues. Background checks, drug screens, and a written test were given immediately on site to the 19 Marines who applied. A process that usually takes several months now compressed to just three weeks. That's really all we need. Corporals Christopher Rivera and Jeremiah Harrington both signed up. Any hesitation on joining a police department? No, not at all. Uh, especially during the Marine Corps. That's something that you know what you sign up for. I just want to bring the crime rate down and uh, just serve a great community. A department in need of officers, finding Marines in need of a new mission. For Ion America, Charlie DeMar, CBS News, San Diego. Rakuten's Big Give Week is back with 15% cash back. It's a festival of savings at hundreds of stores, including Doc Martens, Ninja Kitchen, and Hotels.com. Prep for summer and save big on beauty, travel, electronics, and more. It's one of Rakuten's biggest cashback events, and it's on May 6th through May 13th. Join today for free and get an extra 10% cashback boost. Go to Rakuten.com or download the Rakuten app today. That's R-A-K-U-T-E-N. Shoppers get it. There's now more than 170 cases, confirmed cases of monkeypox in the U.S. The youngest patient so far is 20 years old. New York City started offering shots to at-risk groups today, but demand was so high that walk-in appointments were cut off and scheduled vaccinations are already booked into next week. It was a terrifying scene Wednesday at the World Aquatics Championships when an American swimmer, Anita Alvarez, lost consciousness and sank to the bottom of the pool. The 25-year-old swimmer appeared lifeless near the end of her routine. Coach Andrea Fuentes, a four-time Olympic medalist, swam to Alvarez and got her to safety. Fuentes says a similar incident. To grab her and pull her up to the surface. And once I pulled her up, so I was just, my goal was only to make her breathe. Well, Fuentes says a similar incident involving Alvarez happened last year, and it's actually not unusual in this underwater sport. Alvarez is okay now, but it's not clear whether she's going to compete in the finals tomorrow. It was 50 years ago today that the world of sports and equality were forever changed. CBS's Jamie Yukas takes a look at the landmark law known as Title IX and how women have never looked back. 
Title IX was a grand slam, especially for female athletes who began playing before 1972. One of its most famous advocates, tennis legend Billie Jean King. Mrs. Billie Jean King of America, the new queen of tennis. We can never understand inclusion until we've been excluded. Tara Vandeveer has more wins than any other women's basketball coach in history, with three NCAA championships and Olympic gold for Team USA. USA all the way! We should never have needed Title IX because it should have been fair all along. When she was in high school, there was no women's basketball program. It was also very painful not to have a team to play on, not to have that experience that, you know, the boys got. But um, I think it is important that we, you know, do know the history and that we um, keep working to have true equality with, uh, you know, within sports and within education. The NCAA's Dr. Amy Wilson says the fight is just beginning. Are we making sure that women, girls and women of all identities are getting access? You know, um, are minority women getting those same opportunities? And, and we see that that's not the case in a lot of our sports. Celebration and a continued battle for equal pay and equal play. Jamie Yukis, CBS News, Los Angeles. I'm all for that. We end tonight with the best in show at the Westminster Kennel Club Dog Show. His name is Trumpet, and he's the very first bloodhound to win the top prize in the event's 146-year history. Bloodhounds can lock in on a scent and track it for more than 100 miles. But Trumpet only had to follow his nose to New York's Tavern on the Green, where he was treated to a celebratory steak. That's cute. Ain't nothing but a hound dog. That's tonight's CBS Evening News. I'm Nora O'Donnell. Good night. If you like the CBS Evening News, you can listen early and ad-free right now by joining Wondery Plus in the Wondery app or on Apple Podcasts. Prime members can listen ad-free on Amazon Music. Before you go, tell us about yourself by filling out a short survey at Wondery.com survey. I've been a reporter for more than three decades, and along the way, I've been talking to myself in notebooks I've carried in my back pocket. They've captured thoughts about life, parenthood, death, friendship, and more. I'm John Dickerson, and I'd like you to join me in figuring out what these 30 years of notebooks mean in my new podcast, Naval Gazing. Each episode, we dig through the piles of notebooks that I've been collecting, and from their entries, try to sort out what makes a life. This collection of audio essays is available wherever you get your podcasts.